Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and our warren. 102.5 FM Los Angeles. 102.3 FM Riverside. And 1050 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and I'm Al Warren. Now my co-host today is Mr. John Copenhaver. How are you doing, John? I am doing um, very well. Fabulous today. <laughs> fabulous well you should you should be hey you won you won that award and you killed a fish yeah. you know and... i uh <laughs> yes I, I won an award and i ate a whole fish um yes that's true and i ended up the school year has ended and the summer has started so i think i'm particularly excited for a little relaxation i guess winning an award like that does that sort of um does that is that going to make you feel the pressure of a next book of doing something? Do you think? Um, I already that pressure is already there, so I don't think that's uh, you know getting a, a Lamy is really changing that. Um, you know, but well, I was I, thinking more that like okay, so yeah, there's always the pressure of you do a book, and if it's well received, then you got to follow up. But I just mean because when you win an award, that means eyes are on you all of a sudden. Oh, like okay, you have to perform equally as well again yeah sure i mean that's that's definitely true um i'm trying to get you all hyped and worried about it so that you do i know (laughs) you're trying to make me should i be anxious yeah 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 i'd be really worried you know (laughs) not too many people can do a follow-up you know it's kind of a it's a kind of a permanent state of uh existence for me so i guess i'm not more or less anxious than before but um you know yeah Pleased, yeah. pleased enough to eat a whole fish. So. Well, you're in better shape than the fish now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, for our vegetarian listeners, yeah, um, yeah, no big deal. 
Well, now speaking <laughs> speaking of that, we've got a really really good writer here. It's got quite the uh, history, more of a noir. I can never say that word, but that's my favorite. Um, so we've got Mr. Gary Phillips. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, well, thanks for having me, Alan and, and John. Yes. Um, this is this is I love the area of detective and and dark and and just the whole concept of of your writing um where did it start for you like what what drew you into this type of writing yeah i think uh, well uh, i know uh, i've been a mystery fan for a long time and i suppose the the genesis of that dates back to my uh childhood where uh i used to watch those old reruns of um Twilight Zone and uh, and those uh, Peter Gunn and, and those kind of detective shows, which a lot of people in the audience wouldn't have any uh, knowledge of because uh, they're too too young and I'm too old. Uh, and it, I suppose it always kind of just um, milled around in my head. And then when I was about, I guess I was around nine or ten, I got this. Uh, I got, it, readers, it was a Reader's Digest book club that my aunt belonged to. Well, she wasn't really my aunt, but she lived with my, my uncle. <laughs> so, I, so I called her auntie, but uh, she, they were never really married. Anyway, uh, Aunt Virginia, and she gave me a, a set of books because I, kind of I was kind of a nerdy kid. Uh, well, my mom was a librarian. My dad was a mechanic. So I kind of grew up reading as well as playing sports. Anyway, she gave me a set of, these, set of books. And one of those books... Uh, well, two of those books. One was the collected uh, stories of Edgar Allan Poe, which which includes two of the uh, uh, C. August is it Dupin Dupin? However, pronounce his name. Uh, two of those uh, stories, uh, Murders in the in the Rue Morgue and the Purloin Letter. There's mm-hmm. a third one, but that was, it wasn't in that uh, uh, collection. Anyway, it had had those two stories, and then she also gave me uh, the collected uh, Sherlock Holmes stories, which includes. Uh, obviously, a lot of the short stories, which were, they were mostly short stories, but also included uh, A Study in Scarlet, which is the first novel, right, where we first meet uh, Holmes and Watson. And I, I read those, and I think they kind of, uh, I don't know, made an imprint on my brain. So it only seemed natural that finally, I mean, and I also, by the way, I was reading a lot of comic books uh, as well then. Anyway, it, all, it always seemed natural that this would be the um, the area that uh that would draw my interest both as a reader then eventually as a writer yeah i just been i just uh been watching the uh peter gunn series actually i'm on season three right now yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i i'm into all that but uh yeah i know a lot of younger people it's it's running rerunning on uh me tv so maybe some young, yes, young people that's right that's, yeah that's right that's where i see it as well and, and they were great there was like these tidy uh half hour uh, stories. I mean, some of it was a bit, you know, obviously a bit contrived because, you know, always Gunn would always have some, uh, some uh, uh, snitch is not the correct word, but some contact, some somebody who we knew in, in this or that uh, realm of existence. Although, because it was, you know, late 50s, early 60s, you know, a beatnik or two would show up now and then. And invariably, a lot of times, a lot, a lot of the shows were set uh, at night. And uh, yes, but you would always have this grabber opening, right? You'd always have that little teaser opening it would be some kind of sensational thing that would then, of course, draw you in, keep you there uh, uh, p- past the uh, when you go to commercial and past the commercial, you'd have to come back and see, you know, see what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. I like that style. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's just 
age as well. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, but you seem to have um, more of a point in your writing. Like even when you get into One Shot Harry, that's your newest book. Um, yeah. And I mean, there's more of a meaning to it. Like with, with Peter Gunn and a lot of those, uh, there was some, you know, some show some, like you said, a wild beginning. Someone gets shot or someone, something weird happens and it's kind of like, oh, okay. And then it gets into a story, but it's never, never too deep in the, in those typical noir shows like that. Right. But right. you have a lot more um, character, I guess you would say, in it. Well, hopefully, hopefully, I, I think all of us as writers try to, you know, we you try to plumb those depths, uh, both of character uh, as well as in the, you know, how that how that then plays out in the story. And I, I think for me, because of my background, you know, I've I've had blue collar jobs. I've been a printer. I, I uh, huh, delivered dog cages. Uh, I've also worked in uh, uh, the nonprofit sector. And I've also been a community organizer and a, and a union uh, representative. So anyway, all that's to say is that all those kinds of uh, experiences um, I, I tap, as well as uh, coming up as I did, uh, my folks being uh, sort of that part of those black migrants from the South and the Southwest who came, who eventually came West uh, for better opportunities. So I, I, I heard those stories, particularly with my dad and his buddies, you know, sitting around the, the kitchen table playing dominoes and having a few beers and and all that stuff has always been with me, right? I guess it's kind of just now it's sort of seeped into my beyond my head, it's into my bones, I suppose. And uh just the idea that there's a richness and a vastness to even ordinary people that we might pass on the street or, you know, you go into the store and you do a simple uh purchase of, you know, a pair of shoes with the with the with the store clerk. But that store clerk might have a story beyond just sit, you know, standing behind that counter, uh, handling, you know, your, the exchange of, of money for goods. And so I, I think that kind of has always interested me and that, and it gets you into then, uh, those spaces so that even if you, in the context of your book, you know, are moving, uh, to some extent, moving pieces around on the chessboard, sometimes you, you kind of pause with this or that person, uh, and maybe try to give them a little something, try to try to uh, give them a hint of, of something beyond just the idea, just the notion that they're just there to exchange, you know, words with your character to move the plot along, which primarily may be their function. But also you, you also want to then hopefully then give them a little uh, around us, a little little something there that maybe sticks better with the uh, with the reader. In your, in your books here and even the new one, are you. Are you starting your book with a question? Do you have like a question or do you have a character and then you build it around that item or is it something different? Yeah, that's a good question, Alan. I think I, I, I start with, uh, well, that's not true. I start different kinds of ways. But in, in this case, in One Shot Harry, uh, I started with the character. Uh, I got fascinated with, with this idea of this guy who's uh kind of a crime photographer in early 60s LA and he's you know he's inspired by two real real life people there was a Harry Adams my 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 character's name Harry Ingram but there was a Harry Adams who was a, a freelance photographer here in Los Angeles during that period uh and uh he wasn't really a crime photographer but he, you know he took a lot of shots of just sort of 
life in L.A. Uh, he was a black photographer. And he sold a lot to the to the black uh, newspapers of the day and some of the black slicks like Ebony and Jet. And uh, but you know when King, when Martin King would come to town, when Malcolm X would come to town, when that kind of personage would would show up, he would be there to take their pictures. He would be at their rallies or at their speaking uh, engagements. Uh, so I, that was kind of fascinating to me. I, I, and I didn't know about him growing up, but I just I kind of stumbled upon him uh, a few years ago. And then there's, of course, the famous, the more famous uh, Arthur Fellig, uh, a.k.a. Ouija, who was a, a fixture in 30s and 40s uh, New York, uh, you know, the, sort of the, among the five uh, boroughs. And he had this, <laughs> he had a mobile uh, uh, photo developing lab in, uh, set up in his trunk. And he would just sort of, he would have a police scanner going, he would drive around and he would take all these sort of lurid shots of uh, people getting arrested, people having just been rubbed out in a, in a mob killing or, you know, husband or wife, domestic thing. And, you know, the husband's laying dead there with a, with a knife in his chest. And, and uh, he was just sort of notorious. And he actually inspired a late, speaking of late 50s uh, uh, TV shows, he inspired a TV show called Man with a Camera, which uh, starred Charles Bronson. And then years later, there was a, a early 90s film called Public Eye with mm -hmm. Joe Pesci, uh, who was built similarly to, uh, to uh, uh, Arthur Felling. And uh, Pesci was essentially playing, they didn't call him Ouija uh, in the movie, but he was essentially playing uh, that character. So anyway, all that to say is that those two guys, and there was another, a third guy, there was actually a guy called uh, One Shot Harris in Philadelphia, who I learned of a little later. Anyway, but those two in particular then helped to, uh, in my mind, create uh, Harry Ingram. But I also knew that I wanted to have Harry Ingram be a Korean War vet. Uh, and I, I wanted him to uh, be uh, this kind of guy who is moving around a Los Angeles that is changing. Not that he's necessarily unaware of it. I mean, part of the plot is, of course, Martin Luther King has come back to L.A. to speak at a rally. <clears throat> and this is four months before the more famous uh, March on Washington in D.C. And this part is true, too. I mean, that is to say, King coming to L.A. at that point in April of 63. So once I had those sort of notions in mind, the character, Harry's character, his backstory, and this incident, uh, I, I thought I could get a, uh, a compelling story uh, or I could craft a compelling story from it. Uh, yeah. Do you, what's, your, what's your relationship with your character? And and I mean that in a way of a lot of writers I, I speak to that are fiction writers will describe their characters as like their children, their family, their mm -hmm. friends. Like there's there's all that sort of description. What's what's your feeling with your characters? Yeah, you know that's interesting. I, yes, they're you know they're my creation. I don't think they unlike. Well, yes, I was going to say something about, you know, I've heard writers talk about, you know, how their characters will speak to them. And, and I think maybe some of that's true. Maybe a little of that's true. But in the end, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm crafting them the way I want to craft them. I put them on the page the way I see fit. But it is certainly the case that if I'm in his skin or if I'm in the skin of his, of his friends, I try to, I try to as much as possible uh, understand and inhabit that point of view. Uh, so I, I guess he's not, he's not my child he's he is my he, i don't know he's not he's not me he's not my stand-in either but he's sorry so i guess he's my construct um 
uh, to the extent that I'm a puppet master, putting him through the paces. I suppose there's there's some of that, but there's also some of the some of that which in which he is, or it occurs to me as I get to certain scenes how I might break from what I think I'm going to do because I I now know enough about Harry to figure out well, really what would Harry do or what would Harry say in this this instance. So I think in that way. Um, I try as much as I can, as I've said, to, uh, I think, inhabit them, to live in his skin for a while and be able to then uh, translate that, uh, translate that to the page. But there are certain times, there are certainly certain times in a book, once on Harry or, or the books that I've written, where uh, I want to uh, achieve a certain something in the narrative or a certain something in this part of the story. And as much as I can, then I, you know, craft uh, or, or, or construct the incidents, uh, the events that will then lead us to that point. But sometimes it doesn't work or sometimes it does seem too uh, inorganic or it does seem too uh, shoehorned in so that uh, sometimes, you, you know, sometimes you have to just step back and, and maybe you can't do that thing you, you intended to do or maybe the thing you intended to do. Now you got to do something different. So I suppose in that way, yes, I mean. The characters live or li- live to me uh, in the sense that I want to be as true as I can to them. Um, Gary, you know, I'm so fascinated by the use of a photographer as a main character, mainly because I, I did it in my first novel. So, like, oh, really? I didn't yeah, know it. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It was a World War II, he's a World War II photographer oh, wow. who, who takes yeah. a, a photo of a crime scene. Um, and you know, that, and, and it's, and the first book is very, a lot of noir influences. And I wonder, do you think there's a strong connection, this idea of sort of, I don't know, the, the lone photographer trying to record um, or make sense of the world through a camera and like the noir aesthetic. Do you think there's a connection there? I mean, it, it seems like we, we both had this on our mind, but that's kind of a question I'm, I'm asking myself as well as you. <laughs> No, I like that. That's a great. That, that's a great uh, observation. Of, I think, John, that you like the idea of well, exactly the and how, and I guess even today. I mean, you know, thinking about photographers today or or today, where we all have the ability right. to letter lesser or greater degree to take a picture because we have these machines right. <laughs> in our pocket, which you know, I've lived long enough to actually have been, you know, like I said, when I was a printer. You know, which, you know, you dealt with photography there in some cases because you had to, you know, convert them to, to maybe uh, make a, uh, as part of a flyer. And, and the idea that, you know, you had to develop a photo. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> or, and, and the idea now that you don't even have to do that. Um, so yes, so that the, that the classic photographer and my guy, you know, uses a speed graphic that he, you know, inherited from this, this other guy during the war. Uh, and, and, and now he's, you know, running around taking these pictures and he's kind of this self-taught, guy but even now even even harry's starting to understand oh okay i'm i'm taking these photos i'm taking photos of people doing or at the aftermath of people doing bad things to each other uh i guess what does that say about me what does that say about what i'm trying to capture and that that even harry has admit to himself that he couldn't that if he went around taking you know a, a, being a wedding photographer or, or you know uh, covering uh cotillions or what have you that would just be so boring it'd just be it wouldn't be something he'd want to do uh, he does like the action he does like the juice i mean he's not an adrenaline junkie in that sense but yes that that even harry is starting to understand he's trying to capture 
he was certainly not say noir aesthetic, right? But he but he is certainly trying to capture a kind of um, you know undercurrent to life in Los Angeles mm-hmm. in '63. So is he, so is that or or the undercurrent is what what draws him or what keeps him his heart pumping? But he also understands that because he, in particularly now I'm, I've been working on the uh, the second book uh, because he's uh, in a way foreshadowing. Uh, at least, you know, in the States, uh, the murder of George Floyd, mm-hmm. uh, other such incidents where he, uh, where he takes pictures of the cops wailing on black folks. Right. He, you know what I mean? So that he understands he, and he, he does not, um, skirt those, those, those situations. He, he inserts himself, inserts himself in those, in those incidents. And sometimes of course pays a price for getting his own head beat in. Uh, and and he doesn't he doesn't articulate it as a crusader for justice. And he wouldn't he wouldn't say that, but he instinctively knows uh, I'm here with this camera. I can record the truth. Right. You know what I mean? That no nobody else is going to see it except you know the guy who gets beat up. But the guy who gets beat up unless he has any evidence to it. Nobody's going to believe him. But I can make I can make the the observer the believer because I now I'm going to show you what happened. Right. You it's know? it's yeah. very much like evidence. He's, yeah. It, it, it's that sort of desire to collect and have evidence of, right. uh, of a crime or of the reality. Um, yes. Yeah. That, and that feels sort yeah. of like uh, that it, somewhat in that hard boiled and impulsive, you know, <laughs> yes, <laughs> getting exactly. to the truth, I guess. Right. Right. Exactly. You're right. So that, yeah. so that, right. And of course, it, you know, as we know that in, 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 uh, invariably the, this character, I'm sure it's your character, they, they get, they get drawn in and they become a, a kind of, you know, I guess the term is amateur sleuth, but, and yet there's somebody who is really in a certain way out there on the front lines, you know, taking these photos, uh, and understanding that, um, their photos have an impact beyond just, you know, selling them to the newspaper and getting that paycheck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Why, why was it important for you to have your character be a Korean war vet? Oh, I, I was kind of, um, huh. well, the, 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 the real truth is, you know, Alan, among those, uh, influences were, you know, the films of, uh, Sam Fuller, <laughs> who, who, who interestingly enough was a, was a war two vet. And yet he wrote, you know, he did this, this, well, he, he did a couple of films. He did eventually do right the big red one, I guess, which is kind of the autobiographical one uh, about his experiences in, in the war. But he did this trilogy of Korean War films, right? These sort of low budget, grind almost almost grindhouse kind of films, but they're great, right? Uh, fixed bayonets, uh, steel helmets, and uh, China Gate, which has uh, uh, Nat King Cole in it uh, with Gene Barry of all people and Angie Dickinson. How about that? <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Who, who, by the way, is still alive? I think she just turned a hundred. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, but so, it, so truth be told, uh, it was it's the influence. It's the, it's the you know the raw, uh, 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 powerful propulsive to use that that term that that, that John said uh, uh, effects of the of those Sam Fuller films that were on my mind, uh, and I thought, well, okay. Uh, let's, let's put, you know, I want to put Harry up a little bit and uh, not so, well, he, he could still be in the sixties and obviously be a, a World War II vet. In fact, couple, one of his buddies is a World War II vet. 
but I but I thought, well, I, I'll make him just a little bit younger. We'll put him in the Korean War because not a lot sometimes is written about the Korean War, particularly in, in fiction or certainly fiction now. And and I thought, well, that'd be kind of interesting. And it's a, and not for nothing, it is in fact in the in the states. It is in fact the first time uh, the armed forces are integrated. And more to the point, and I, I mentioned this in the book, when uh, the you know what's the name uh, MacArthur, uh, the the war hero from World War II, he was in charge of the troops in, in the Fort Armed for uh, the American force in, in Korea, and he was not going to. I mean, even though the, the order had been signed, <laughs> Truman had signed the order to integrate the troops, MacArthur was opposed to it, so he wasn't going to do it. Now, eventually, MacArthur gets replaced, not not because of that, but some other insubordination. Uh, other insubordinate acts that he does, and it's the 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 general who replaces him is the one that then integrates the troops. So I thought it would be kind of interesting, not to make a not to hang a big flag on that, but just that when we meet Harry initially in the book, and when he runs into Ben Kinslow, his old buddy, Ben's white, but they they were pals. They were they were Fox old buddies, uh, and though he hadn't seen each other in a while, although Ben at, at one point had lived in L.A. and moved away. Uh, I thought it would be kind of nice to have that kind of as a friendship for these two. We don't, as I said, we don't hang a lantern on it. We don't make a big deal about it. But Harry too knows it's kind of interesting, you know, having grown up most in, in the black community, meeting this guy who's 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 a who's a guy he gets along with, and then what does it what does it mean for Harry then to have that disrupted when this guy uh, dies under mysterious circumstances? Hmm. Now. You know, being that you you based it around um, kind of events, real life events, do, do you also put that as a um, character in the sense of um, the event and the location itself? Do you write that like you would write a character? Yes, but also that also means Alan, that I take liberties, right? That you know, you you know, there is a kind of interesting line you walk when you write. Um, an historical novel, which is to say, you, you know, uh, when you know you watch uh, what was it? What was it? Inglorious Bastards by Tarantino, and you ha- you know, and he kills Hitler, and and I guess it's uh, Goebbels in the, in the theater, yeah. Yeah. Which, <laughs> right? And which we know there would didn't happen, uh, <laughs> but it, you know, or uh, the last one where uh, the the Tate. Labiaca murders don't happen uh, in, in oh, L.A. Yeah. Brad, you know, <laughs> right, kill, kill, knocks off the three Manson followers. Uh, so, so, in some, so in some ways, yes, I, I find that's fine. I think you could do that. I think it's fiction. I think it's fine. I think everything is fair game. On the other hand, uh, there are probably some historical events I want to you know, preserve as, as they happen, and yet I want to then, in a zealot kind of way, insert my characters into those events, right? So it is true that King had a rally here in L.A. I think it is. I think it is true that Harry Adams was there to take pictures because I think I've seen some of Adams' shots because some of his, this, a lot of the stuff is preserved out here at one of the universities. Uh, so I believe uh, Harry Adams was there. So to that extent, right, I'm I'm being kind of uh, true to to historical to that historical time, uh, and yet of course I I do want the liberty as I would with any character, uh, historical or not, uh, to be able to then uh, do with them as I will to tell you, to tell the story I want to tell. So, yes, to that extent, um, history is a character. History, like, the you know, like place and setting, 
uh, have some uh, grip on us, hopefully, right, and have some pull on us as as a reader. But uh, but I'm not so slavish to uh, the facts that I won't have fun with uh, alternate realities. I guess that's the way to say it. <laughs> it's been a lot of that lately. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and that and that brings me to the point. Then when you when you touch off on on this type of um, reality, you know, the humanity of a lot yeah. of what goes on in the U.S. and you know, civil rights and just just everything in that in that area, and the way things are the last I don't know five six seven years I don't know it seems to be a blur now but for the last little while, and what people buy in as what they think is real and what mm-hmm. isn't like there's mm-hmm. it's it's no longer it's a very hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Very blurred line now between... Yes, it is. Between, it? it really you know, is. Because you, you know, there's... Yeah. It's, People some wholeheartedly believe in some things that are just complete fantasy, but they believe right. it with their yes. lives. So when yes. you've got all that stuff going on and the, and and nutballs running around and 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 all this stuff happening, do you, do you worry about any kind of a a back backlash or in another sense maybe a 
an automatic um, kind of a, a term placed on you as as a writer. While he's just like a, you know, he's, you know, he's a lefty. He's not. He's not important. Yeah, right. You know, right, you know, right. He's biased. Right. You know, they'll say a lot worse names. I mean, but you know, that's right. That's but right. Does, right. It, does that does it matter that you're not going to connect with that whole that part of the audience? Oh well, I, no. Listen, Alan, my my hope of hopes is that. Uh, they will uh, want to uh, burn my book in a big, uh, you know, in, in a big old uh, fire, and therefore, well, first they got to buy them, right? So as long as they buy them, and then, uh, you know, then they won't have this big bonfire, you know what I mean? Yeah. Stack the stack some of these books high, stack them high, <laughs> keep burning them, keep burning them. Yeah. You know, I'll be, I'll, I'll help them. I'll leave them, you know what I mean? I, I'll, I'll, you know, uh, but, uh, but, but on reality, uh, on the real. Uh, yes, I suppose. Well, to the extent that, listen, I, I'm an entertainer. I hope I'm telling you an entertaining story. And I hope I, that whatever is woven through it in terms of uh, current events or, or events in the past that somehow, you know, echo and mirror to the present uh, and all that, um, I, I want to give you that, right? Because I, I do want to set my books in, the, in, in, in reality or a certain reality. But I also want to tell you, uh, hopefully, a, a, a good mystery story, a good hard-boiled story. And I want to give you good um, characters that you can latch on to, that you have some empathy for, and and keep those keep those keep those those juggling things happening, so that you know, at no one time, first, at no one time does Harry turn around and give you, you know, some kind of Marxist analysis about what it is that he's doing. His girlfriend might, because she's a Marxist, <laughs> 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 but but Harry wouldn't. Uh, and 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 Harry sort of scoffs at that, so which is good, I think. I, I think because you obviously you don't want to create uh, one note characters, and you also don't want to create all characters that all have the same viewpoint. You want to give them different uh, takes on life. I mean, one of Harry's buddies is is Strummer Edwards, and Strummer is a uh, you know is a gangster, right? But you know, Strummer has now kind of plowed some of his his uh, ill-gotten gains into legitimate or at least semi-legitimate. Uh, businesses. He runs a, a blind pig, which is to say a, a bar that doesn't have a, a you know legitimate license. Uh, and he runs a, a you know a, a kind of floating uh, uh, casino in in the back of the in the in the back of the joint. And but you know Harry rubs shoulders with this guy. Harry rubs shoulders with a buddy of his, uh, uh, Josh Nakano, who is uh, Japanese American, who is a little bit older than Harry. Uh, but who served in World War II as part of the Go for Broke, which was which was in fact an all Japanese um, uh, unit uh, in 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 the war. Uh, Japanese Americans who you know put their lives on the line to prove that they were uh, uh, you know loyal Americans that, that they shouldn't be they and their their and their countrymen uh, should not be who were Americans should not be uh, taken off to. Uh, to internment camps uh, and what have you. So I guess I just try to give you, I try to present as rich a tapestry as I can. And I try to give the characters, uh, I guess the term we use now is agency, uh, but you know, try to get, make them live. And, but I also try to give them different points of view. I mean, otherwise, yeah, it's just, it's just a one note thing. And then I guess, you know, it's boring for anybody, but I think as long as you can kind of imbue their lives with, I think, purpose um, and try to make their dialogue not uh, not uh, preachy and not uh, heavy on uh, you know platitudes or what have you, but make it real, make it make it make it sound right. 
I, I think I'm, you know, I think I'm doing my job. What is it you hope um, when, when someone comes and buys your book and they read it at the end of the book, it, it, what is it you hope they take away from it? Is it purely the entertainment or is there something else you want them? Well, I'm hoping that they, yes, I'm hoping that they, they got a satisfying read. Um, I'm hoping they enjoyed, you know, that time, that journey they took, uh, and the chance, right, that they took with me to read that book, to, you know, take the time, and however they however they acquired the book, or to listen to it, you know, on on uh, on audio. Um, yes, yeah, so I hope they were entertained. I hope they I hope they were satisfied. And yes, yeah, so hope, hopefully they, they maybe got some sense of that time period or some sense of, of that world that may, they may not know about or, or uh, some glimpse into a part of um, life that uh, maybe they found of interest or maybe they, they maybe was new to them, That's, which is great, right? And, uh, or something that they came from and just they, you know, try to see how inaccurate I was uh, in some things. Um, yeah, so, so to that to that extent, uh, I hope that it was fulfilling. I guess that's the best word to describe it, that it was fulfilling on maybe more than one level, or maybe it's only fulfilling, or maybe it's only okay on one level for them, uh, in which case that, that's okay too. Uh, but that, yes, but that, that they didn't come away thinking they were reading some, you know, political tract, some heavy-handed uh, polemic, but that, but that in fact, uh, what if those elements show up that those elements then seem um, organic and real to the story? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so interesting because you know, fi it, fiction comes across too, you know, politically overt or polemic. It can kind of um, fall flat, right? That's but, right. 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 Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious. Like, um, you know. Do you think that historical fiction or historical, you know, since we're talking mysteries, historical mysteries, it have a unique sort of ability to talk about current events in a fresh way? I mean, was there a reason why you went historical? I guess is what I'm asking. You know, uh, yeah, John, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think initially or maybe somewhere in the, in the dawn of this uh, to reel it back, I, I well, I guess it was. I guess I always knew it was going to be historical, only because once I got fascinated, like I said, once I got fascinated with with uh, the real life Harry and, <laughs> and 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 Ouija and King in town. Well, of course, you know King is long gone. So so yes, it, it, almost by necessity, it had to be then. And the idea that you know, looking from now for where we sit in in twenty twenty two, using, I mean. You know, there's still photography, but photography itself has changed so much, right? And and I know a, a, a buddy of mine who's, uh, you know, a friend of mine who's, you know, who, who started as a photographer back in the days when, you know, you still had to develop film. And now he still does that, but he also does stuff with, with digital. But he but he's still in demand, but he, because he has a certain eye, he has a certain, right. he has a certain way, you know what I mean? All those are factors, you know, to your point, all those are factors in, in the aesthetic. All those are ways in which... uh uh, you 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 make the photo happen, or the idea that one of the fascinations I think we have with photography more than even um, you know film uh, or 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 video is to 
capture that one specific moment, that one brief second, you know, you know, the artist backstage or, or, uh, uh, the doctor coming out of the operating room and, and they, you know, they've been in there seven hours and maybe they saved the patient or maybe they didn't save the patient. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and they just, that one second where the, you know, he or she is taking off, you know, their, their face mask and they're taking off their, their head gear and, and it just in their eye, you know, eyes are, are what has occurred, the toll that it has taken on them. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what I mean? And, and you capture that, it freezes it in a moment then we, the viewer can see that, can interpret that, but then we might have these, all these other ways in which we, 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 uh, we take that photo with us. And as I said, sort of different than even if you were to have a, a black and white or a color, you know, uh, documentary, uh, a crew following that, that doctor around. Although of course you would still get a different kind of impression, right? You would still receive that information and have, have something to say about it or have some thoughts about it. So, yeah, I, I think all that to say is that, yeah, it, it seemed kind of interesting to me that then push it to happen in 63 because, well, it is specifically King has come to town then, but idea then now as I go forward, you know, the next Harry book starts right in the middle of uh, the Watts riots, which is in 65. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, just the idea that we can get into these events that have been written about in fiction and in nonfiction, and there's documentary about about them. Uh, but the idea that now I can have this um, this this character of mine inserted into those events, and so that now you get to see those events from his point of view. Uh, yeah, it was just a just a keen interest to me. Yeah, and it's a, a great way for getting a, a reader um, into a, a historical time period that they may or may think they know something about, but but don't know that much about. Um, just, I guess my follow-up question is, you know, what was L.A. like in 1963? What was going on? What was the atmosphere? Well, even I was too young to remember, but um, certainly from... Well, certainly from what I recall from, from my, like I said, from my dad, mm-hmm. you know, talking with his buddies about back in the day of L.A., um, you know, working class guys, um, guys who had come west, men and women, uh, black men and women who had come from, you know, those areas of the mm-hmm. country uh, where they thought, at least in the west, there would be a bit more freedom. And maybe there was some and maybe there wasn't some, right, because it was still a city as I, you know, as I write about in the book that still had housing covenants, still had a fairly <laughs> pronounced uh, color line uh, right. in terms of, uh, of where you could go and where you couldn't go, or at least where you could go and, and, and not be, not be there after dark. Um, so, yeah, so that, you know, it's a city of contradictions. It's a city of, it says it is a city of promise, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a city of, of, of migrants and immigrants. Uh, and yet at the same time, it's a city, uh, because it does have LA certainly at that time had the notion of becoming the metropolis, right? Um, uh, though it was never unlike say New York city and Robert Moses and all that stuff, <clears throat> you know, there was, I guess there, there were plans, you know, there were, there weren't that like they weren't plans, but I guess city LA was so used to just, you know, 
sprawl, right? Right. We'll create, you know, that, right. That's part of what's in the book, right? The, the freeway is coming through. Cause, so, of course, we'll just create more freeways. We'll just create more byways. Um, or we'll, you know, we'll, you know, where the, where the airport is in, our, in, in L.A., technically it was, it, it was actually in another municipality. So, of course, we just took it back because, you know, it's the airport. <laughs> and we're not going to call it. We're not going to call it your, your, your airport. We're going to call it Los Angeles International Airport and we're going to get the taxes for it. So, yeah, how, how do you like that? You know, or, <laughs> or, you know, at, you know, or in the movie Chinatown, which, you know, which is accurate in the sense of how, how, do, how did we get water to LA? Well, we went out the Owens Valley and we stole their water. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, right. So, but that, you know, that's well, you got to break a few eggs, right? To, to, you know, make the omelet of, of a big city. And, and so all those things, right? All those are sort of, you know, laying laying their uh, levels of it. Uh, and part of it is, I suppose, with Harry is as he starts to, uh, as I said, you know, parts to starts to go into the underneath and starts to 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 look into those layers as as really how it affects him and his community. Right, it always comes back to that. I think for Harry, um, and so he certainly wouldn't. I think I guess by the second book, as Harry's starting to understand a little bit more about his role in this. But certainly, it's the idea that he has kind of fallen into this. That he had no, he, you know, it wasn't an intentional uh, project of his, an intentional thought of his to become this kind of, um, you know, uh, excavator, excavator of the future. But I suppose, in a certain way, he's found himself doing that. Now, uh, social media. Um, how are you with the new world of connection? Uh, do you uh, are you yeah. are you big with this? Do you have like a, a lot of social media accounts? Are you big with interacting or what? Evan, I have no idea what you what you kids do. I really don't. <laughs> I, 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 uh, you know, beyond, beyond Facebook, you know, I, I, I just, right, right. I understand there's Instagram. I understand there's TikTok. I understand there's a whole bunch of other stuff, right? Man, I, I you know, no, I have no, I have, I have only a you know a passing. Uh, sense of what all that is, but I don't. I do none of that. I, it just seems so much work. It just seems so. You know what I mean? Even the idea that uh, you know, I, I was I was slow to even getting. Well, hell, I'm so I had a flip top before I had this. You know, this smartphone. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm. You can't see me, but I'm holding it up now, looking at the damn thing. I'm always, I am fascinated by it, right? Because right, apparently this thing has more memory than you know those satellites we used to send up. Correct, right? You know what I mean? It's all that stuff is just kind of fascinating to me. And what's available on it, you know, what, what you can tap into, or, or, you know, but I'm, I'm fascinated by social media and sort of to get to the point you raised earlier and how, of course, it is, <laughs> I think, corrupted people's minds. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, we can find whatever, whatever you believe in, whatever, whatever thing you want to go for, you know, we can find, we can find our niche, right? We can find it on the internet somewhere, right? either the, the, the above ground web or what they call the dark web, whatever it is. Right. <laughs> and, and I, you know, and, and, and for good and for ill, how it, how it has uh, affected us as a society. Right. Or the notion that people take, you know, even the idea that people take selfies, I find a little interesting and a little strange in some regard. Right. Or, or the idea now that, and it, you know, and you'll see this now in mystery stories, you'll see it on, on TV shows too, where you'll track people's, you know, uh, social media movements. Right. Um, because, uh, oh, or my God, the, you know, these mass shooters and, and what they post and this and that. So it is kind of fascinating. It is very interesting to me, uh, that, uh, we've become, I don't know what, I don't know what the term is, right? But we're, I guess we're all 
you know, jacked in to some point, to some extent, right? To lesser or greater degree uh, to these, uh, uh, to these artificial, what are they, what are they, cyberways, the byways, whatever they are. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and let alone, right, by the way, fascinating that now there's a whole, uh, uh, group of people who are, who are influencers, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I find it's amazing. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. They, yeah, they post whatever they post, right. I mean, about whatever shoe they're wearing or, uh, whatever it is. Right. And, and of course now they're, they're encouraged, you know, you, you pay them now to, to show your product because it really, right. It, I mean, in the end, it's, it really is the same thing. You're selling soap, but you're just selling soap in a different way. So, so you need to be on TikTok dancing with yourself. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah, uh, apparently. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> apparently, they're selling they're selling lots of books on TikTok these days. I keep Is that right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. like, I was like, oh, but John, you can't do it. You can't do it overtly, can you? It's it's you you need right. I've heard of I, there was a couple of young ladies who had some kind of book, but you need somebody else showing your book, right? Yeah, you need somebody yeah. else. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You, if we ourselves get on there, well, then that's just too transparent, right? That's right. <laughs> right, right. You got someone else. So maybe, there. I can, maybe I can pay an influencer. There you go. To, uh, yeah. well, <laughs> now you're getting it. No, now, now, now I'm finally understanding. Okay, yeah. I get it now. now I get it. it. So, yeah. so, so, what are we talking? So, you, how do people find you then? You, um, I have a website. Ooh. It's not well maintained, but it is. <laughs> that's my fault. I mean, it's my fault that it's not well maintained. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think it's just gdphillips.com. So they can find me there. Uh, and you, yes, and I should probably occasionally <laughs> update it, which I, I sort of do. Uh, but then I guess, and then I'm on, I am on Facebook. Occasionally I'll get some kind of message, you know, through Facebook. Right. Right. You know, uh, in, what do you call it? I am instant message. See, I know that. I know these terms. Yeah. Kids <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, but yes, that, that's how they can find me. But, you know, that's assuming, by the way, Alan, that I want to be found, yeah. right? I mean, I, it could be, it could just be that I don't want to be found. Or carrier pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> now you're, now, now you have hit it. Yes. Yes. And the carrier pigeon is extinct. No, the passenger, it's the passenger pigeon that went extinct. Is that right? Mm. Is that right? Uh, one of those pigeons went extinct. But yes, absolutely. Carrier pigeon, uh, now, now you're talking, baby. Now that's my speech. <laughs> that's right. That's perfect. So now we know how to find you. Um, now you know how to find <laughs> Well, that's interesting. Right. Um, yeah. How was it with this book just coming out? You must have written through the COVID. Um, yeah. And so yeah. how was that? on your writing, and I mean this in the sense of, you know, so you kind of got locked down and all these unusual right. events, you got people protesting it, fake, and all that stuff, all this stress right. going on outside your door. Um, did, did it affect your writing either way, like good, positive or negative or anything go on? Well, I, I think, I mean, I, I think in a positive way, I mean, as I said, I mean, you know, my background is, is as a community organizer, is, is somebody who's been involved, uh, around anti-police abuse work from, from, from back in the day and, and, you know, worked in political campaigns or local, local political campaigns, that kind of thing. So, so it, it did my heart good to see people out like in Ferguson and what have you. And, and, uh, and I, and, um, it, I guess if anything, it, I found those things, um, I found those events, uh, from my perspective, uplifting and and uh, sort of restorative in the sense of, you know, <laughs> all is not lost with humanity. Uh, you know, as a counter um, counterweight to certainly what we've gone through here in the states, 
uh, in the last several years. Uh, so, so in that regard, you know, so the outside world still existed, and, and uh, you know, and the, you, I was aware of it and, and, and followed it. Um, but so, so in that regard, I guess I was buoyed so that it, it did, I never, um, I still did my job. I still did the, the work on getting the book done. Um, but I, I didn't feel, I suppose, I guess what I really, I guess the real answer is I didn't feel I was writing into the effort, right? That I was writing towards something, uh, not necessarily, you know, contributing to the big picture or maybe in a small way contributing to the big picture. But the idea being that, um, I could show you this slice of LA in 63 and how, right. And how in some ways it echoes up to the present today, but that in the end you had to still, you couldn't let that. Uh, you couldn't let any one event cripple you. Like, like you know, Harry gets beat up. He gets roughed up by the cops. He gets this, that happens to him. But Harry kind of keeps going. I mean, he takes stock and and, and he reassesses. But he, he he keeps moving forward. You can't let it. Uh, you can't let it immobilize you. I guess that's the point, right? You gotta, you know, you gotta take it all in and, and kind of weigh it and, and figure it out for yourself. And where where do I fit in? But but you could you could do that and you could still you can still move forward. Yeah, 1963, Los Angeles. That's where we want it to make America great again. Is that? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I, they may be thinking about 50s. <laughs> some. Yeah, that sounds more like 50s. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it ever was. But anyway, that's uh, yeah. well, that's 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 really good. How do you like the the new publishing world these days? Like you know, all the self-published stuff and everything going on around us. Well, I, you know, I'm I I don't you know I've never self-published, but it is true that when I first started, which was in the you know 90s, I guess I was first published in '94. This is before we had print-on-demand and what have you. So the advances. I'm I, actually I'm fascinated by having being an old-school printer. I'm fascinated by the new print technology. I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, but back in those days. I was actually part a partner in a small press that we we published my novel, we published some other people's work, and so we would go through the whole process of editing and what have you, and, and distribution. We had to actually had to have the our titles distributed because you couldn't just like I said it was before print on demand, so you couldn't just print enough to to send out. We actually had to have them, you know, stocks somewhere and where else, all this stuff. So I learned a lot. Uh, so I'm I'm just but yeah. So I think I think the idea now that uh, those floodgates, you know, the means of production, as it were, are, are a bit more. Uh, at hand, I think are very fascinating. I mean, I think you get a lot of stuff that's, you know, whatever it is, but, uh, but I think you get, you know, there's some gems in there too. There's some very interesting stuff being done. So uh, I think it's kind of interesting. I think it's very kind of a fascinating time. Well, it certainly is, you know, people like me can get published. No. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's sad. Well, this is a really interesting conversation. Do, do you like, um, I have to do this one other one because do you like old classic noir mysteries or do you like the modern ones better? I like I, no, I'm like I like them both. I, I there's something to be said for the the old stuff, right? You know, out of the past and and uh, mm-hmm. uh, certainly uh, uh, what did I just see again recently uh, the um, dang uh, the Maltese Falcon. I mean the third the third version, right? The best version with uh, with Bogart and uh, and Mary Astor, right. uh, but I like some of the, I like some of the new stuff, the the neo I guess neo noir I guess you'd call it, and and uh, no, I'm I'm a fan. Of, like I was thinking of, um, oh well, I got invited to the <laughs> inaugural Dallas Noir Film Festival uh, a month or so ago. Me and a couple other guys 
a couple of the writers, uh, basically my agent, our agent who lives in Dallas, <laughs> got, got us invited. <laughs> we just heard of hung out and watch old movies and, and talk uh, stuff. I was going to say a word that you were going to have to bleep, talk stuff. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but but then thinking about other because we were also brainstorming about other kinds of noir so there's been some good stuff. Um, I was thinking of there was a great little film, uh, but this is even now is some some years old. Uh, you guys ever see Bound? Yeah, Bound uh, is great. You know, did it. Yeah, I thought that was great. I, I it was a it was a great riff, right? It was a great riff on on the on the setup and and who was the you know the the two women and who was the butch one and all that and yeah. and then but then ripping off the the boy. I, I just thought, man, that's that's pretty clever, you know. That's a great, great, you know, uh, send up of those tropes. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of, of stuff that or, you know, uh, I, I, I've been watching. I, I, uh, it's entering its last season. I'm sorry, it's, it's final season because I guess they, they stopped and they're going to finish up the last of the four. Uh, Better Call Saul, right? Oh, Which yeah. is kind of the yeah. kind of the prequel to to Breaking Bad and Breaking Bad, which I enjoyed uh, immensely. Uh, and so, you know, and now in my, in my, in, I guess uh, finish with this off by saying into my golden years, <laughs> you know, I've, I've fallen into some TV work, uh, although, I've, you know, I've had stuff option and what have you in the past, but I, I'm a, a staff writer on a show called Snowfall, which is set in the eighties, uh, in Los Angeles. And it's about, <laughs> it's about cracking the CIA. Uh, and, and so we have these really compelling, dark, uh, powerful, driven characters uh, that we're now taking to their to their final journey. Uh, and, and it's been uh, it's been a great experience. Final journey like Star Trek. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but anyway, the uh, the book that uh, you need to get out and pick up, it's called One Shot Harry. And um, yeah. What else can I say? Um, our guest is the author of that book, Gary Phillips. Thank you for being on the show. Well, you guys, uh, uh, Alan and John, th thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Our pleasure, absolutely. Tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino Movie Reviews. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. 
This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.